seated. I titled this morning's message, A Better Testament, and uh, I got to thinking as I went through and was doing my study, I began to think about having been in court. And uh, when I was in Colonial Beach uh, and I was at Westmoreland, uh, folks, I have to tell you, I was in court more often than I wanted to be. And you say, man, what were you in court for, Pastor? What would you do? Nothing. I was there for a lot of other people. It was a very drug-infested area, and it was very heavily uh, indulging themselves in a lot of the things of the world. And I remember walking in, and I had written a letter for a young man. And uh, when I wrote the letter to, for the young man, I tried to get the judge to release him and uh, allow me to help him and his wife, and I would counsel them. But I wrote a letter just pleading with the judge and said, Judge, this is what I'm asking of you, and I want to help this guy. And so when I went to court, his name was Aubrey. Aubrey came out, he was in shackles, and he's walking out, and he's walking over like this. And I'm already standing there, and he walks over beside me. And I had been praying for Aubrey because I really wanted Aubrey to see that God could help him change his ways and change his life. And Aubrey was standing there, and he looked at me, and he said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I said, Aubrey, you need to focus on what the Lord wants for your life. The judge was up there, and when I walked in, and this is hard to imagine, but I walked in, and the judge looked down, and he said, Pastor Warnick, good morning. <laughs> it's scary when the judge knows your name, right? Who are you here for this morning, Pastor? Because <laughs> I'd been down there so many times to try to help folks. And as I was standing there, Aubrey was there, and he pulled up the letter, and he said, Aubrey, I want you to look at this. And he read the letter, and he handed it to Aubrey. And he said, Aubrey, I want you to know something. This man has a good testimony you do not. This man's here on your behalf today. And the reason I'm going to do what I'm going to do is not because of who you are, but because of who I'm going to release you to. And he said, I want you to look at my fingers, Aubrey. And he said, what do you see between them? He said, nothing. He said, that's how much space you have to mess up. And if you mess up, you're going to prison for seven years. Do you understand, Aubrey? So I testified on his behalf. I laid my testimony on the line to try to help this young man. What they did to him is they put an ankle bracelet on him and sent him home. The responsibility that he had at that point was him and his wife. All they had to do was meet with me and get counsel. After he got released, guess what he decided not to do? And as time went on... I told him we have to have these meetings. There was always an excuse and a reason not to. And eventually he cut it off his ankle and took off. What was hanging over his head? Seven years. Seven years. What was hanging over our head was death and hell. Jesus laid down his testimony and his life for you. Are you ready to cut off the ankle bracelet and run? Or are you willing to do what Christ has called you to do? 
when we look at the passages here, and I read this, and inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. <laughs> there was a promise made, wasn't there? And when I look at this, when you're asked to testify in court, you're to give your testimony, and this is a pledge, an oath to tell the truth, isn't it? So when you go to court, you're telling the truth. And I did. I told the judge the truth. I said, listen, Aubrey doesn't deserve this break. Aubrey doesn't deserve what's going to happen to him, but uh, I have a testimony that he's trusted Christ as a Savior. He's been scripturally baptized. He's done something wrong. He needs help, judge. And the judge had leniency, didn't he? He showed mercy, didn't he? And he showed Aubrey grace. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that sometimes God does those very same things for us, and regardless of the oath that he made, we disregard it sometimes. Now, I'm challenging you this morning. This is good because whenever we go into court, you're giving an account of what you've observed through seeing or hearing a situation firsthand. And you say, well, preacher, I've never seen Jesus Christ firsthand. Oh, but you have. If you're saved this morning, amen, you know that Christ resides in you. If you don't know that, you need to get saved, amen, because I'm telling you, the day I got saved, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I could go to court and testify, even if you were to take my life today, I know heaven is my home. Why? Because there's one who did something on my behalf that promised me, and he's not going to break his promise, <laughs> It's an oath, a promise from God, a promise that this is going to take place. In court, they do not want you to tell someone else, uh, tell what someone else told you. They want to know what's your firsthand account, amen? What do you know? Well, my firsthand account is on October 12, 1995, I sat in a room and I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to save me and bless God, I'm on my way to heaven because of what he did on the cross at Calvary. That's firsthand testimony. I know I'm not the same person I was the day I got saved, amen? I know I'm different than I was that day when that occurred, and I can testify to that fact. And it's not my testimony, it is his testimony that's really on the line, isn't it? Amen. It's out there. When the court tells you that you're under oath, they're expecting you to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God, right? You're to witness what you know. What do you know? Did Jesus Christ save you? Do you know that Jesus Christ saved you? Then Jesus tells us that we're now to be a witness. Are, we, are you with me now? There's a promise been made. We are now a witness of what has happened in our lives. We are to testify to a lost and dying world. Listen, this is court Jesus. This is Judge Jesus is sitting up there, amen? And what we have an opportunity to do is come up and witness and all those people out there that are guilty, we're there to tell them, listen, we're here to testify, we're here to tell you that you no longer have to be guilty, that you can, by the oath of God, be saved. Amen. God can do that. The Bible speaks of a better testament, a stronger and more superior covenant. And by the way, a covenant is not a contract, Amen. Too many people are getting into contract marriages today rather than covenant marriages, amen? And they're getting into a contract because they just want to write out uh, what the conditions are for whenever these things go south. And the thing of it is, is that God desires for you to remain married until death us do part. Isn't that what the Bible says? <laughs> 
And so when you look to the scriptures, you see what the Bible says. It's a stronger, more superior covenant. It's agreement between two parties. And this is not a contract. This is a covenant. And I want you to know this contract's between Jesus and his Lord. (laughs) And what it does, it permits us to have access to God. What a covenant for us. A better testament, isn't it? And I began to look at the scriptures and, you know, contracts. You think about it, contracts are meant to be broken. Mrs. Warnick and I, uh, we finally, we had to go get another car. The transmission going out on the minivan. (laughs) And so when we went up there, how many of you have ever walked into a car dealership and the price starts here and when you go to walk out, you're thinking, how did you come up with that number? (laughs) Anybody ever been there? And so I was trying to figure all this out, and they said, well, we included this, this, this warranty on your car, and it contains all these things. I don't want all these things, because <laughs> I don't have that kind of money to have all these things. Are you with me? So I said, so what is the best that you can do? And so we got a three-year, 50,000 mile on the drivetrain and the motor. <laughs> I said, I don't need roadside assistance. I got all been with them for a very long time, since 1993. They send me a little card in the mail that says, you break down, we'll come get you. Amen? Amen. I don't have to pay for that. Well, what if your radio goes out? I said, I could care less. I don't even listen to it. <laughs> I didn't even know it had a radio. <laughs> Brother Daryl's driven my three-speed on the column. Amen? You loved that radio, didn't you? You wound down both those windows and <laughs> heard all kinds of static, didn't you? And the thing of it is, is that they're trying to sell you on something, you know, and so I'm in there and they're going to give me this warranty. And so they said they gave me this warranty. So I went home. I told Anita, I said, let me see that contract. I said, which warranty do we have? Well, they just gave me this thick envelope. So I'm reading. I'm saying, well, which one of these are ours? You know, because this, I just wanted the standard stuff. I didn't need all that other stuff. So I said, call them. She called up there. They didn't call her back. I said, call again. She called again. They still didn't call her back. So I drove up there. I said, I need to meet with Mike, who is the manager. I said, hey, Mike, I need to know, what is this? What is this agreement? Right? Because I need to know the facts. Well, I want to tell you, God gave you a contract that's far better than anything that Mike and Kearns Ford would ever give you. It's a contractual agreement between God and Jesus Christ that eternal life is yours if you'll trust and believe in him. Amen? This is a covenant that will not be broken. (laughs) It's not a contract of men. See, the reason I had to go up there, guess why? It was written by men, and men were telling me what it was, and they were telling me what I was going to have, but nobody could show me what it was. And I had to get with these men, and I had to sit down with these men, and I had to look at this thing, and he goes, oh, it's it's not that one, it's not that one, it's not that one, it's this one. And the thing of it is, my covenant with Christ, guess what? It's the same one you got. Isn't that wonderful? An oath, a promise. He was made high priest. Now think about this with me this morning. This better testament. And I want you to consider this. Do you trust in the better promise of Jesus Christ? Now you say, well, preacher, I'm saved. I've already done that. Well, you know, this better testament comes with some really big perks. You know what some of the perks are? (coughs) We not only have a better promise, we have a better intercessor. 
Someone's there on our behalf. Amen. Amen. And it's better than an earthly priest. It's a heavenly priest. How different is that for you and for me? You see, it's not someone here on my behalf. It's someone there on my behalf. He sits on the right hand of the Father interceding on my behalf. What a great intercessor I have. Amen? And not only is, is he an intercessor, he is the heavenly high priest. <laughs> he's not an earthly man. He's a heavenly man, isn't he? Now, here's what I want you to think about. Jesus Christ wrote the law. How many of you understand Jesus Christ wrote the law? <laughs> then Jesus Christ fulfilled the law <laughs> because man could not fulfill the law. So he fulfilled it for us. He did fulfill what he wrote. Now you imagine how strict the law was and he fulfilled every part of the law. Why? So that you and I could have access to God. Amen. What a promise. Amen. What a promise. And then I thought about this. Man would see that they cannot complete the law and therefore God gave us a better covenant, didn't he? <laughs> and God looks down and says, there's no way these people are going to do this. And you say, well... I think I could have done it if I really tried. <laughs> hey, do you know all it takes is one bad thought? Do you realize Jesus never had a bad thought? Never even thought anything wrong. What? Jesus never even thought to do anything wrong. How many of you have had little children and you realize they just do stuff wrong? Do not touch those cookies. <laughs> and what would they do? Do just the opposite of what you just asked them. And the thing of it is, is that all of us do things wrong. But can you imagine a heavenly high priest, the sinless man of God, dying on your behalf? Powerful stuff. Let's get to this. There are some significant assurances for us. One, there's a better promise. Number two, a better intercessor. And number three, we have a heavenly high priest. Now, this is a promise, and in case you don't know, in Psalm 110.4, you say, well... It says, inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. Uh, for those priests were made without an oath, but this one with an oath by him that said unto him, and here it is, and you need to write this down. This is Psalm 110.4. He is telling them, God said this in the Old Testament. That's what's being written here. He said, God made this promise a long time ago. This promise that was made was not that Jesus is going to come through the order of Aaron, but he's going to come through the order of Melchizedek. He's coming a different train. <laughs> Amen? He's coming from a different direction. Now listen, Melchizedek was before the law, and he was both priest and king. And who is Jesus Christ? Both priest and king and prophet. <laughs> And as I look at the scriptures, he said, The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That is the oath. That is the promise that was made and is kept. That's what God's teaching us. When uh, I was growing up, sometimes dad would make promises and dad couldn't keep that promise. How many of you have had someone make a promise to you and couldn't keep it? Anybody ever have that happen to them? <laughs> They make a promise, but they just can't keep it. I'm not knocking my dad. My dad was a very busy man. He had 10 kids. I had five brothers and four sisters. Good night, man. <laughs> Sometimes he'd try to make a promise, and he couldn't keep the promise, right? How many of you have made a promise, and you couldn't keep it? <laughs> huh? <laughs> it's uncomfortable, isn't it? And, and, and sometimes we even get upset if someone has made us a promise and then doesn't show or doesn't keep their promise. It upsets us, doesn't it? Now, I want you to know this is different. <laughs> this is a promise made by a holy, righteous God. 
He will not fail us. He hasn't to this date, has he? And you look at the scriptures, his word will not fail. <laughs> Whatever he hath promised, he will fulfill. And here's what he did. He sent his only begotten. Listen, it was prophesied that he was going to send his only begotten. His only begotten arrived, and even when he arrived, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, did not want to believe who he said he was. And in so doing, they missed out on an opportunity that the apostles took part in, didn't they? What did those apostles have an opportunity to do? Walk with God on earth. Now, I don't know if you understand this or not. Come on up here, Jim. Stand beside me. I was sharing this with the Sunday school class. Can you imagine this for just a moment? Now, listen, I pray and I believe in God and I believe he's there because he resides in me. These guys physically could turn to Jesus. And can you imagine me being Peter, this being Christ, Christ look at me and say, Peter, Satan has desired to sift thee as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Physically standing beside that apostle. Woo! It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Who was it that was talking to Peter? It was God in the flesh standing right beside him. And he told Thomas and those guys, you think that you have faith. What about those who don't see me and have to believe? How much more faith is it going to take? Are you with me? Boy, what an oath. What a promise. And Jesus came. What do the apostles testify about? Well, they testify that he came. So now what is our job? Well, the promise to us is this, that I'll save you. And what you need to do as a church, and by the way, we're in the age of grace. We're in the church age. What is our job now? What do we have the responsibility to do? That Jesus saves and he's coming again. We have to believe that. Do you? If you believe that, then we will be a witness in the courtroom of Jesus Christ testifying on his behalf that he made the better promise. His covenant's true. It is what he promised us. Now, I want you to get a hold of this this morning because as we look into the scriptures, the priests under the law, there, they had to make sacrifices on their behalf, on their own behalf, and then on the people's behalf. When Jesus Christ died, he died once, once for all. He didn't have to make sacrifices for himself. He sacrificed himself for us. Big difference than what the Arianic, uh, Arianic uh, uh, group did. It, it was different. That Levitical priesthood was an earthly thing. It was a, a carnal thing. It was a physical thing that had to take place. All you had to do was just be a member of the tribe and meet the physical requirements, and you could go in and be a part of this. It did not matter uh, what it was that they were doing. It was just that they became a part of this because of their background. But Jesus Christ is different. <laughs> Jesus Christ came after the order of Melchizedek. God wanted us to know he's very different than the rest of them. The Levites simply had to have been born into the tribe and meet that physical right. And then Jesus Christ's priesthood was established based on his work on the cross. Turn to Hebrews 2.10 with me. I want you to look at this firsthand. Hebrews 2.10. Hebrews 2.10, for it became him for whom 
are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Turn to chapter 5 with me, if you will. And I'll pull all this together for us here. Chapter 5, I want you to look at verse 5. He said, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made in high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto, them, unto him, that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of what, folks? Eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ is better. He's a better covenant because he is the son of God. God made an oath, and God did not fail to fulfill his oath. Jesus didn't come through the Levitical line. He came through the Melchizedek line to be the priest. Very different. Very different. Now, as we look into this, Jesus Christ is a better promise. He sacrificed himself, and when it talks about him being a surety, he's a guarantee. How many of you have gotten a guarantee and then it wasn't fulfilled? Anybody? <laughs> huh? When it says in Jesus Christ is a surety, it's different. He's a surety. We're assured that he's going to fulfill what he said. There's a lot of guarantees have been made in my life when you go back and they say, well, I'll tell you one that happened to me here. I had Carbonite.com. You know what they promised me? If I ever lost my computer, all my files were stored somewhere. They were in this place, this mystical place, wherever they go. And you never have to worry, preacher, because we got all your files. Okay. Guarantee it. Okay. Computer crashed. Bling. Hello, Carbonite. I was told, yatta, 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 yatta. Oh. Well, let us look. Hmm? What would you want to hear on the other line? We've got them. Don't worry about it. Wouldn't that have been better to hear? They said, well, let us look. Oh. We do have all your files except for that one that you really want because you failed to put it on your desktop. And when you didn't, we lost all those files. So when you didn't put it on your desktop, there's no way we could have those files. I was like, what a guarantee. How many of you see the commercials with uh, Liberty Insurance? Huh? We'll give you the money for three quarters of a car. What kind of guarantee is that, right? Not very much. And so, you know, you think about it. What kind of guarantee has God given us? An eternal one. Eternal. One that will not fail. One that his only begotten son's blood was shed for. Now, here's what you have to understand. This promise is made to those that believe. Those of you that believe, that's who, that's who it's made to. It's an oath, a promise. Very different than what else is out there. Now, let me give you this, okay? So, not only do we have a better promise, we have a better intercessor. Look at verse 25. 
He said, wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Do you know what he was really saying? Hey, those other guys are going to die, <laughs> but Jesus Christ is going to live again. He's going to sit on the right hand of the Father. He's not just going to die. He's going to rise again. He's very different. He's not only going to do that, but he'll intercede on your behalf. Now, you think about it uh, uh, in a courtroom. You have a lawyer. You have an attorney there, right? You have someone that's there on your behalf. How many of you feel better when the attorney's there, right? And then you know the retainer that you paid, and then you just want to choke him too, right? (laughs) And here it is when I look at this passage, and he says, He says, wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God. Now, notice the next two words. Come unto God, how? By him. They can't go any other way. There's no other way to heaven. (laughs) They have to go through the covenant, the promise that was made by God. They have to come through that way. Jesus Christ is not dead. He's alive. Amen? Amen. He sits on the right hand of the Father. Let me give you some verses here. You can just write these down. Galatians 3, 19 and 20. Wherefore then serveth the law? Paul speaking here. Why are you serving the law? It was added because of transgression. It was added because of sins, because of the sins that you're involved in. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. What promise? That he is not the same as the rest of those priests. He's a heavenly high priest made by an oath by God. (laughs) Different, isn't it? And so when we read the scriptures and we start putting all this together and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Listen, Jesus Christ is God. And he was God in the flesh. God then prepared a way for us to get back to him. He gave us access by this oath, by this promise, Jesus Christ shedding his blood on our behalf. And what does he say? The only way you're getting here is by him. You're not getting there any other way. So no matter what a man may think, if you just start breaking down the scriptures and show them the truth of the word of God, there is no other way to heaven but by him. By him is how they get there. 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. There's one there on our behalf, a mediator. Isn't that wonderful to know that he's there? You say, so what's he mediating? Well, when you sin and you confess your sins to God now, plural, right? (laughs) Who's standing there on your behalf? If If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our what now? sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when I stand there and I'm uh, confessing and God looks down he doesn't see me he doesn't see my sin he sees his son what he did on the cross at Calvary for you and for me wow what a mediator Christ Jesus He tells us in Hebrews 8, 6, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the uh, mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Then he tells us in 9, 15 of Hebrews, and for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And in 1224, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that he speaketh better things than that of Abel. You say, why Abel? Because his blood was shed, and this even speaks louder than that. (laughs) 
Isn't that wonderful? When you look to the Bible and you see an intercessor, what is this mediator? A person who attempts to make people involved in a conflict come to an agreement. A go-between. <laughs> you know, you get a mediator in there, and Jesus Christ is the mediator, isn't he? Hey, listen, let me tell you something. There's a problem between us and God. There's a problem with the world and God. There is sin in the world, and how are we going to reconcile that? we got to have somebody who's going to bring us together. We have to have this mediator who comes in and says, I know they're sinful people, but you know what? I died for that soul. Amen. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, Lord, they're now a part of your house. They're a part of your kingdom. I died for him. Come on in. You're welcome. <laughs> Do we get it? Think about what he did. <laughs> I am welcomed into the house of the Lord because of what Jesus did for me. I am welcomed into his house, <laughs> into his kingdom. I am a child of God. He made me a part of his family because of what Jesus did for me. Now what's he doing? He's interceding on my behalf. Lord, they're a part of our family. I know they've done wrong, Lord. Can you imagine him up there? Man, I saw Bob on Saturday, Lord. I know, I know. Listen, he did this, he did this. Listen, but he's asked for forgiveness, Lord. I'm here on his behalf. I'm standing between you and him. Listen, we have to come to an agreement, Lord. This was our agreement. You said if I died for him, you forgave him. He's asked, he's confessed. He, you agree with me now, Lord, because we're in this covenant together. I'm on his behalf. I'm taking care of this. Lord, I'm here for him. And think of the wrong that we do sometimes. Lies that we may tell. Cheating that we may do. Bad attitudes we may have. Thoughts of another man's wife. Thoughts in our heads that we need to do away with, things that we think that we ought not be thinking, attitudes and spirits that are so negative at times, hatred and spite and anger, discontentment, covetousness, adultery, fornication. Wow. The list goes on. Murder. And you think about, he died for how many of those? Oh. And even as Christians, man, we need to get it right, don't we? We just need to get it right. You say, preacher, how do I do that? There's an old-fashioned altar up here. Huh? There is a God in heaven. Listen, you don't have to go through me to get to him, Amen. He already died. All you need to do is go to him. Isn't that wonderful about my God? I can kneel beside my bed. I can kneel in my garage. I can kneel in an open field. <laughs> and there where I am, he is there. Why? Because he is my God. <laughs> he died for you. Do you not think he cares about you? He cares about every thought, every deed, 
and every action that you perform. Everything you do, he cares about. And you say, why should I care? Because of the fact that when he died, he rose again the third day, and he's promised you an eternal inheritance. <laughs> he's given you a gift that no man could give you, our intercessor. When I thought about this in Ephesians 2, 16 through 19, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For the, through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. <laughs> what did he do? He said, you're now a part of my family. You're in. It's exciting, isn't it? When I think about what he did on the cross at Calvary, and he tells me here, he says, listen, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, the sin that was there, I've taken care of that for you. I've handled it. It's done. And I thought how I'm no more a stranger, no more a foreigner, no more a fellow, uh, but a fellow citizen with the saints. And, and, and I was thinking to myself, right now we got border problems. How many of you watch the news? Right? Everybody wants to cross the border because... The United States is so bad, so they want to come here because it's so bad here, they want to be here. Anybody with me on that one? Yeah. It's so bad here that everybody in Mexico wants to move here. That's how bad it is here. We're so bad that everybody from that border wants to be on this border. Why? Because it's a whole lot better over here, isn't it? <laughs> I'm over here. <laughs> My border's even better because mine is a heaven and home, a home in heaven, amen? The border that I'm on, woo! <laughs> I don't have to worry about Arizona and Texas and all that stuff, amen? <laughs> I'm on this border right here. Yeah. And the thing of it is, the world is lost and dying. They're on the wrong border. We need to get them over here. Where do we need to get them to? Come over and meet this guy. Let's get him to this intercessor. Let's get him over here. Let him, let him see who Jesus really is. Preacher, whose responsibility is that? Us. Ours. We're a witness. We're a testimony of what? The oath, the promise, right? And we know what he did for us on the cross at Calvary. We now have that responsibility. Christ went between God and man and made it possible for us to have access to God. Jesus is always there for you. How many of you know that today? That no matter what you're going through, he's there for you. <laughs> No matter how hard it gets, listen, he's there for you. He is there for you. I know he is. I know the things that I've gone through in my own personal life, and I know God is for me. I know it. And when I look at this, he's there making an argument. If you will, trust my son. I paid the price for that sin. I paid the price for that soul. And whenever we accept what he's done, he says, if we'll just confess our sins now, he's faithful and just. We have a much more qualified clergyman, too. When I look at this, he says in verse 26, For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. <laughs> you ought to underline that in your Bible. If you ever really want to learn a verse, learn that one, man. 
So you can really, you think rap artists got it. Jesus has got it real good. Amen? And you look at these scriptures and you see what God's done. Jesus Christ not only came down to man, but became a man who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. And here's what I share with you. What a great high priest, a better testament. What a better heavenly high priest we have. And no man can claim to be perfect, but Jesus Christ can, can he? And Jesus Christ is perfect. And here's what it says about him. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. You look at those uh, set of things and you think about it. He was holy. He was devout. And he was a uh, commitment by God to you and to me. He was devout. He fulfilled what it was that he was supposed to do. When I look at the scriptures, he's harmless. He's innocent. Yet being came guilty for you and for me. He became guilt for us. And then I look at the scriptures and I say, well, here's a God who is undefiled. What does that mean? He is pure. Amen? He's a pure God. There's no sin in him. And, and so who is there? Who's my intercessor? Who is this oath? Who is this promise? His name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, he says he was separate from sinners. You know, there was contact without contamination. I promise you that. He wasn't contaminated because he made contact. You know, we need to be careful. This is probably a lesson we can learn in our own life. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that we can't make contact, but we don't need to get contaminated by it. Amen? And he witnessed to the sinners, but I'm telling you, he told them they needed to be saved. His purpose for meeting with them was not so that he can go and, and partake in what they were doing. He met with them to tell them, hey, there's a better way. There's a better testament. There's a better covenant. He was not isolated, but separated. And, and, and he never separated him from, from those that he ministered to. He came to them, and he talked to them, and he was always available. And I like this. He's always available. <laughs> He's in a heavenly position now. He's a heavenly high priest. Here's what I want you to think about. Made higher than the heavens. Underline that in your Bible. He is made higher than the heavens. <laughs> His existence is in the location where God dwells. I, I don't get it. <laughs> Where, Lord? <laughs> he's here. He's there. He's everywhere, isn't he? We're out there, Lord. Listen, listen if, if, if in the pits of hell, he's there. He's there to pull you from the miry clay. He's there for you. He's always there, no matter where you are. He's there for you. What a great and mighty God we serve. Therefore, why would we go to an earthly priest when we have a heavenly priest? He said, well, preacher, I come and ask you from time to time. All I want to do is give you counsel. I can't pray on your behalf in that way. I can pray for you. I can pray about your situation. But I want you to know God wants you to come to him. He wants you to come boldly before the throne of grace. He wants you to come and get help in time of need. You don't have to go through me to get that. You can get that on your own time even. In the middle of a field, in the middle of a supermarket, in the car, on the road. Somewhere that you are, God is always there. God's always there. You know, we sing the song. How many of you remember this? No, never alone. Believe it. Because if you're saved, where is the Holy Spirit? Where is God? He's in us. What an oath. What a promise. What an intercessor. What a heavenly high priest. Amen. Amen.
we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a mighty God we serve. Amen? Let's pray.